0: Good morning again. You know, um, it was interesting because while we were worshiping, <laughs> something happened. I I remembered that I forgot my glasses. And that's a sad thing for me to have to say. Um, it's been, you know, we, I moved to England for the very first time in 1999. And um, Naomi is English. We met at Bible College out in California. And the location we arrived at was Calvary Chapel Portsmouth. So we were here, um, my first year of being in, in the UK was here at, at this fellowship. Um, so, you know, seeing Sarah, who used to be Fremantle, and uh, Bob and Linda, a couple of familiar faces and dear friends. Uh, so it's it's a blessing, it's a privilege to actually be back after many years of toing and froing, living back in the States, living here in the UK, planting a calvary in the Lake District for five years as well in that process, and a calvary in, uh, in D.C. Uh, as well. Um, so, but... Here we are now and, and you know at this stage of life it's it's nice to know we're we're settling and uh and, and seeing what the Lord wants to do. And this morning um I'm gonna ask you to turn with me to Romans chapter twelve. Romans chapter twelve. We're gonna start in verse one. I'm not gonna look at a ton of, uh, in in this necessarily. We're gonna we're gonna focus but but it really is, it becomes a little bit more of a word study um, for us as we're looking at, at Romans chapter 1, or sorry, chapter 12, verse 1, because it's to do with the word mind, our mind. And uh, I feel like, I pray that there's some things that the Lord can, can really speak to us and really encourage us with this morning as we look at that together. So I'm just going to um, take a, just a moment to, to pray and ask the Lord to bless this time in his word as well. Father. I do thank you for this opportunity to be with my brothers and sisters, Lord, for us to all spend this time together in your word. Lord, I know that you desire to speak to us. That's your heart. You've given us your word. You want to reveal yourself to us through it. Behold in the scroll of the book, it's, it's written of you, Jesus. We want to meet Jesus here this morning and We desire to to know you in a way, Lord, where you are renewing us, where you are restoring us, where you are accomplishing everything that it is that you know we need, Lord. There's a lot that sometimes we don't even know we need. We just know we have need. (laughs) And so, Father, we just come this morning boldly to your throne of grace, to obtain mercy, to find grace right now in our time of need. Because, Lord, what I realize through walking in this life is, My time of need is every day, actually. Um, One way or another, I have need. And so, Lord, I come to you with a heart of just, Lord, humility to say, God, minister to your people this morning. Use this time in your word to just speak directly to their hearts, to my heart, to our hearts. Lord, may we hear from what it is your spirit is wanting to say to your church this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Now... From my times of, of living here in the in the UK and as well as you know spending time in, in the States, you know recently we were introduced to a show. We're not big T V watchers necessarily, but, but there's a show that some friends introduced us and they said, You guys would probably like this. It maybe it just it suits our, our personalities. They knew Naomi and I well and, and and it's a show called Fixer Upper and it's from the States. Um, and it's this couple, Chip and Joe. Her name's Joanna, Chip and Joe, and And basically the premise of the show, it's something you'd be familiar with. It's basically they find these old houses, and they're helping people find a house that, you know, if they purchase it, they'll come in then and do the full renovation. They'll do the full fixer-upper, you know. And it kind of reminds me, and this is one I did get into, you know, years ago here in the U.K., which was, this will be more familiar to you, Ground Force, right, Uh, with Alan and Charlie and Tommy, you know, coming in and, looking at the garden and saying, what can we do to this mess? You know, how can we make this place, you know, how can we renew it, restore it, renovate it, whatever it might be? And, um, you know, it's interesting because we watch these shows and for some reason, we really, really enjoy them. (laughs) And and, and it makes me think, I I believe, well, I know I enjoy them. Maybe you don't. I'm not sure, but um, I enjoy them. and, And there's something about that transformation, that takes place from the beginning of it to the end of it, where we all look at the end and go, oh, it's amazing. Oh, it's great. Oh, I love that. I can't believe. Oh, it's so different. It's so, you know, it's so beautiful. It, it's amazing. They've taken something which felt kind of useless, kind of worthless, kind of a mess. And they've turned into something that actually was was beautiful, um, that you'd really be proud of. And, you know, as we look at this chapter here in, in Romans, you know, I, I, I think about our own lives, and how the Lord wants to do the same exact thing in each one of us, you know. And, and I think what we I want to just point out is when we talk about this word mind, because we're going to see in the in the midst of this passage that He wants to transform and renew our minds. But I think to put it in context, before we get into that, let's just go back for a minute to kind of think about where our minds are at, um, because. As you look at the scriptures, what we realize is our natural mind, it's not actually in a great state apart from God. And, you know, this is where it was meant to be. I I, I use this illustration because for me, and maybe it's just because I'm, you know, being in a primary school, it seems to work. Um, You know, I'm I'm probably primary school level learner, so this is perfect for me. Um, You know, God created us, right? In his image, in his likeness, spirit, soul, and body. Right? The three parts. And we know that God is Father, Son, and Spirit. And the way we were created, there's this understanding that Spirit, soul, and body, we communed with God. In in, in His creation, He created us in a way we, we were communi- you know, linked to Him. That we were in communion with Him. We were connected to our Creator. And that's the way it was intended. However, as you and I all know, we made a choice. We made a decision to rebel against God. And in doing so, he said, that day we would die. Now, did Adam and Eve fall down physically dead? No, we know they didn't. But however, we know that the Spirit died that day. And and that disconnected them from the Creator. That disconnected us from our Creator, our, our God. And in doing so, not only that, it also then inverted that you know situation where no longer were we guided and directed by our, our Heavenly Father, by our Creator in the Spirit... No longer was the spirit ruling and reigning, but now, you know, spirit, soul, and body, what happens is the body takes over. Our own desires, our own pleasures, our own lusts, our own wants now dictate and and demand what we should and shouldn't do. And they are the ones that really guide us. And so when you look at the scriptures and you you think about it in that context, it makes sense, doesn't it? Whether it's in, in Romans chapter 1 where, you know, Paul writing about the mind, he talks about our mind being debased because ultimately you know that word meaning to be worthless it's reprobate in the same way it tells us in in romans 8 verse 7 that the carnal mind is actually enmity against god it's no longer this this communion it's actually antagonistic against god and his ways keeps going on throughout the new testament paul is continuing to show us Every time when he talks about the mind, in Ephesians two is another example, where we start to understand that we were basically given over, as this picture, as this illustration, you know, you know, alluded to, we were given over to the lusts of our flesh and the desires of our own carnal minds. We we do whatever it is that you know, as we hear so often, if it feels good, do it, you know, and if that's what we desire. But the problem is Ephesians four. Paul, again, writing tells us the challenge you have is it's the futility of your mind. When it's based on you and you're going to do whatever feels good to you or whatever you want to do, it's going to be devoid of truth. And it's going to ultimately be perverse. And that futility pictures a word just useless. And, you know, Paul, again, pointing out to the Philippian church in chapter three that You know, our minds are basically enemies of the cross of Christ, and so we're we're just focused on earthly things. Again, Paul, in Colossians, we're alienated. We're enemies in our mind by wicked works. Colossians 2, we get vainly puffed up by our earthly, fleshly minds. And then Titus again, he's writing to Titus, and he says the same thing. We're defiled. We're unbelieving. There's nothing pure because our minds are defiled. The pure, all things are pure. But if our mind is defiled, then then it's not going to be okay. And basically what this shows me, like that fixer-upper, the state I come to God is, (laughs) my garden is a mess. (laughs) My house is a disaster. God, I need help. I need something. I need your help. I need you to come in. If I'm left to myself... It's a pretty grim outlook. It's a pretty grim outlook if I'm left to myself for the future. Because if I keep doing things the way I think is best, the way I want to go, there's a way that seems right to a man. But you guys know the rest of that verse, don't you? The end of it it, it, is death. It's not going to lead you in the path of life because we won't choose the right way. We'll choose the defiled way. We'll choose the perverse way. That's just naturally. That's the natural mind, because it's apart from God. It's it's in conflict. It's in, in enmity with its, with our Creator. Now, as we're looking at Romans chapter twelve, what we realize is there's a need for repentance. Now, that word has an interesting connotation because some might immediately, when you hear the word repentance, you picture the guy with like the sandwich board. On the streets, repent, you know, turn or burn, get right or get left, you know, whatever it might be that that, that you might have heard before. But, you know, the idea of this kind of like fire and brimstone preacher, but that word repent. But but what we honestly understand that the m- meaning of that word is, is very simple in its, in its origin. It, it means to change your mind. That's actually what it means. And so when you change your mind, then as a result, you're going to change your behavior. And so truthfully, repentance is just when the mind changes, you start to change direction because you say, oh, wait, I thought I was going in the right direction. Oh, but then I looked at Google Maps and I changed my mind. I was going the total wrong way. And so you start going a different direction because now you have had a, a change of mind. And that's really what the word repentance means, a, a life that is transformed because its it's been, your mind has been changed. And so that's where we come back to Romans chapter. Well, understanding our condition, understanding that, you know, our garden is overgrown. It's in disarray. It doesn't have any, you know, beauty to it other than just the natural stuff that's just growing everywhere. It needs needs some real help. Or our house is in a mess. We come to God, and this is where Paul, the writer of Romans, says, I'm beseeching you, therefore, because of the state of where you're at. This is why I'm beseeching you. I'm begging you. By the mercies of God. This isn't something I know you can do yourself. That's what he's saying. He goes, you can't do it. I can't do it. We can't do this ourselves. We need the mercy of God. That's why as I prayed, you know, when we began, I said, you know, we come boldly to his throne of grace. To obtain mercy, to find grace, to help. Because, if again, I'm left to myself. The only other thing I might end up doing is think, oh, how do I get myself better? (laughs) How do I kind of, you know, renovate myself? How do I restore myself? And, and he says, "No, no, no. You, you come to God. You know, you call in the professionals. <laughs> God, I need help here." And so we see that he, you know, by the mercies of God, that you do something. This is what you need to do. This is this is your responsibility. You present yourself. You simply open the door. You say, "Come on in." You present yourself. Your body. A living sacrifice. That, that, that seems like a paradoxical term, doesn't it? A living sacrifice. It, it, you know, but it, honestly, as we think about it, it actually probably is the hardest kind of sacrifice there is. Because it's one thing to say, oh, this life's too hard. I just wish I could get out of here. You know, oh, it's too much, too much for me to bear. I just want out. I just want out. And sadly, you know, I'll be honest, I, I've seen a few people over the course of the last couple of years choose that route, and it's been devastating. They've known the Lord, and yet to see that is, is part of why I feel this desire to share a word like this this morning, because some would just think this is this is the only answer to, to just, you know, call it quits. And yet, I think the Lord is giving us the way forward. He's saying, listen, this is how you do it with me. You present yourself a living sacrifice. Now, the challenge with a living sacrifice, and I'm sure you've maybe heard this before, is when you put a sacrifice on the altar, if it's living, it's got a tendency to want to climb off the altar <laughs> i would uh you know because it's like whoa is that fire oh hey yo so you know um i'm out you know and and yet that's what the lord is saying you you need to surrender there's a there's a presenting of yourself there's a surrendering of yourself to say god have your way have your way in this life now what can happen is he says to conform your or excuse me to um Present yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. So that, that's the idea here, is that you're being set apart. You're, you're saying, God, here I am. I'm submitting to you. I'm surrendering to you. Which, interestingly enough, he says, is your reasonable service. It's really not asking a lot, to be honest. Because do we remember, as we were talking about before, what condition do we come to God in? Like, we're not in great shape when we come to God in the first place. You know, we might, we want to think more highly of ourselves than we, we should, but, but the truth is, if we're really honest, none of us bring a whole lot to God. <laughs> but God, what about this? What about that? It's like, what do we have that we haven't received from the Lord? You know, so what we realize is we don't bring a whole lot to this, you know, relationship other than presenting ourselves. So so it's our reasonable service to just say, God, here, have it. Like, that's that's all I can really offer is just, Surrender. That's the best I can give you. It's my reasonable service to offer you my life. And then he goes on to say, "And do not be conformed to this world." Now, this this word really really draws a picture for me. It, it, it kind of brings back some memories, to be honest, because my kids, the the big the big three, um, when they were little, especially, I remember this often. They they would have the play doh, the boys. They'd have Play-Doh, right? And they'd be playing with their Play-Doh, and some of you parents will appreciate this. And, and as they're playing with their Play-Doh, they had some molds. Like there'd be like a Bob the Builder or Fireman Sam or, you know, your Eagle Piggle or Upsy Daisy. You know you know what I mean, right? Um, all, all these little, you know, figures and these different people. So they take the Play-Doh, they'd put it in the mold, and then they'd close it. And when we open it back up, lo and behold... There's a little, you know, Bob the Builder made out of Play-Doh. There was a, a mold that had shaped and formed and, if you would, conformed this Play-Doh into the image <laughs> of Bob. Um, and what we have, what you and I experience on a regular basis in the world we live in, every day we wake up and we've got a world that's saying, come here, come here, come here I want to I press you into my mold. I want you to be like me. I want you to be the way I tell you to be. And that's what the world is attempting to do to you and me every single day. This is how you're supposed to think. This is how you're supposed to live. This is how you're supposed to work. And it's all these concepts and and thoughts that go contrary to the, the God of heaven and earth who made this world. And so we find ourselves in a place where God's saying, don't let that happen. Don't let the world tell you how to live. Instead, let's do this. He goes on to say but rather be transformed. Great word, great word, and and some of you probably already know kind of from its original language where this comes from. It's this word metamorpho, which you can only guess where we get our word for metamorphosize. And so this idea of being transformed is literally changing into another form. So when you think of, of course, I think most of us, when we think of the word metamorphosize, what comes to mind is the idea of the caterpillar, right? Crawling along on the ground in the dirt, and in the mud, but then heading into the chrysalis and having this time of transformation to then bust forth, to break forth from the chrysalis into this beautiful butterfly. That's the picture of transformation, Going from one form to a completely different form. And that's what God is talking about. He's saying, listen, I know maybe a lot of your life has been spent crawling around in the dirt, and the mire, and the muck, and it's been a mess. But guess what? When you come to me, I want to do something in your life that transforms it. That makes it all new. Brand new. Now, as you and I all know, though, that process, (laughs) that time in the chrysalis, isn't the easiest. I remember reading something one time, where it was a guy who saw a chrysalis and he saw the struggling that was happening in in inside this chrysalis and he just thought, oh, it kind of grieved him. Like he thought, oh, I want to do this little you know caterpillar a favor and help him in the process. I want to help him along, and, and gave the chrysalis a little snip, let let the you know butterfly out sooner. But the truth was that whole process was part of the development stages of. That you know transformation because that that struggling and that striving was the way that the blood was actually you know dispersed into the wings and into the the whole creation basically of the butterfly was a process that God had intended it to be and it was challenging and until ultimately it was ready then to fly and you and I have had the same experience where we know that that transformation process doesn't always mean it's easy but it's worth it and that's what the Lord wants to show us I believe this morning. It's like, don't let the world, because sometimes what we find is uh, we find that this world and the, and the conforming to the world seems like the easy road, right? But what we come to realize is the way of the wicked is hard. It's actually not. It actually ends up with pain and, and, and difficulty that you, you and I don't want. You don't want to be a part of. And, and yet there's times where we think, oh, but to walk the straight and narrow, so to speak, or to, to walk with the Lord is hard. It's like, actually, it's the place of blessing. It's the place of real joy in what the Lord wants to do in our lives. And so when we look at this word to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and that's what the Lord is wanting to do. Because these minds, if we remember, it's debased. You know, there, there's a there's a depravity. There's a carnal mind that's at enmity with God. Our, our natural thoughts are our do what you want, not you know, thinking about others ahead of ourselves or anything else. And yet God is saying, the way I need to do this is I need to renovate. I need to come in. I need to move in and restore. And and you know what? As you watch in some of these renovation programs, a lot of times there's some, some gutting <laughs> that goes on. You know, it's like, no, 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 I'm not just trying to touch it up. I'm not just trying to, you know, whitewash it to, to, to you know, coat what is there. Already. No, no, we got to pull that out. We got to get rid of some of this. And, and we're going to start afresh. That's what renewing really is about, and that's what the Lord needs to do sometimes in our own life. Now, do we like it? Mm, not usually, because it hurts, because it's painful, because it's something we've kind of gotten you know accustomed to. Uh, Caleb and I yesterday we were helping helping someone. Um, he had just a load of rubble in, in his in his garden, and he had asked. He's a neighbor. He had asked if we could help him, you know, just shift some of this rubble. He'd gotten a skip, put it in our drive, and. We were helping him shift this rubble, and it was interesting because I told him, I said, this will probably be an illustration uh, for me." Um, I it just it could see it coming, but uh, it was—it was—it was, it really was a picture um, as we were shifting this rubble out of his garden because he was so relieved when it was all done. You know, he's like, "Oh, this has been one of those things that's been weighing on me, just having all this—just literally a pile, a pile of rubble—very, you know, noticeable right there in, in the garden." And to shift it felt so good. However, it was interesting to watch because as we were having you know, we were like, we were coming in like, you know, bulldozers. Like, hey, let's, come on. I was telling him, come on, come on, let's get it all. Let's get it all, throw it throw it, throw it. And then he would be like, there was a few pieces in there. And he's like, oh, but not that one. That one's not, oh, wait, not that one. You know, and like, I saw like this, oh, wait, not, I think I might still use that. You know, and, and, and that we, that we can be that way sometimes where the Lord comes. And he's like, listen, it's all junk. Like this stuff, you don't need it. But we're kind of like, oh, but I've gotten, ooh, I might use that sometime, or, or that could come in handy, or I don't ooh, I'm getting comfortable with that, you know. And we have this tendency to, to kind of try and hold on to some stuff. And the Lord's like, listen, I want to renovate, I want to renew, I want to give you brand new. And that's where we see here this idea of the renewing of our mind. And, you know, Paul will say in Ephesians, we want to put off our old man, our former conduct. You know, which was living according to deceitful lust. We want to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. And this is what the other verse that really came to my mind as I was thinking about this was God, when he comes in and renovates, does a great job. He gives you everything you need to move forward in victory. And the way he declares it through you know Paul's letter to Timothy in Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven, he says. This is what I'm going to give you. In replace of all that stuff that you thought you needed or all that mess that you brought to me, I'm going to give you this. I'm not going to give you a spirit of fear. What I am going to give you is a spirit of power, love, sound. That's the new mind. That's the renewed mind. That's the mind you need. That's the mind I need. That's the mind we all need. And you know, as you think about that, it's not a spirit of fear. You Can't all of us be plagued by fear? It's natural. That's the natural mind. We live in a, a fearful place. We live in a, in a scary world. There's a lot of unknowns that we just don't know how it's all going to play out. We don't know how it's all going to work out. There's always some fear. And yet God's saying, listen, I want to give you everything in this renovation that you could possibly need. And so that idea of the, the power. Right? That's the word dunamis. It's the same word that when he told his disciples there in Acts chapter one to wait to hang out, to hold up in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon you so that you will receive power from on high. Right? That dunamis power, that dynamic of the Holy Spirit. What spirit? The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That's pretty powerful. (laughs) I think that's pretty significant that we can have that same power you know, accessible to ourselves to live this life in victory. Victory over the sins that so easily plague us. Victory over the fears that so often haunt us. We have the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead accessible to us to live this life in victory. Not only that, he also says of love. That's the word agape. And you and I know that that word means an unconditional love. A love that isn't based on, well, if they say they're sorry first, then maybe I won't be offended anymore. <laughs> it's not that. It's, you know what? I give expecting nothing in return. I pour out my life, that living sacrifice, knowing that, you know what? He loved me first. I love him because he first loved me. And I'm just going to give, not looking for anything in return. And you and I both can be honest with ourselves and with each other right now. Will I do that naturally? No. <laughs> the natural mind says, "Not a chance." No, they hurt me. They offended me. They 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 disappointed me. They let me down. That's how we would naturally respond to these things. And then what can happen is bitterness can set in, and anger, and resentment, and years and years of you know confusion, and frustration, and difficulty in marriages, in families, in in relationships all across our, our lives can just be that, that fixer-upper, that, that mess that the Lord needs to come in and, and work through and work on because He needs to show us, listen, I'm giving you my love. I'm filling your heart with my love. And that's possible because it's my love. What is the fruit of His Spirit? Love, which looks like joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness self control. You know, and every time I read that list in Galatians, you know what happens to me? I go, man, I don't have any of that stuff apart from you, God. Like, if I'm left to myself, I'll say it again uh, the outlook is grim. Like, I won't do that. I won't be joyful if, if the situation's frustrating, you know? Uh, love and joy and peace, peace? No way. I get so anxious. I get so uptight. I get so frustrated. I'm like, Oh God how is this going to work out? How are we going to pay for that? How is that going to you know oh that, that, that you know what about this medical, you know, report? This is this is scary. You know, I don't have peace right now. And all the things that God says, that's where my spirit comes in. To to fill you with with power, with love, and then ultimately that sound mind. That sound mind is is, is a sane. That's the word. It means sane. It means sober. It means well, right. And it, it's kind of a picture of the, the, the demon-possessed man from Mark chapter 5. You remember that story, right? Where Jesus is in the, you know, the area of the Gadarenes and comes across this demon-possessed man. And he's like, oh, you know, we know who you are. You're Jesus and of Nazareth and all this. And, and you're the son of God. And, and he's like, hey, keep it down. You know, and, and then it's, you know, what's your name? And Legion, because there's many of us. And, well, don't, don't cast us into the abuso. Don't cast us into the pit. Okay, fine. You're going to go into those pigs? They run off the cliff. Next thing you know, everybody shows up, and here's this guy. It tells us clothed because he had been running around, you know, stark, uh, you know, clothed and in his right mind, clothed, seated and in his right. That's a work of God's Holy Spirit in this man's life, and that's God's heart, and that's God's desire for you and I. And as we look at these, you know, attributes of this right mind, it's interesting. Because we ask ourselves, what is a sound mind? What does a a right mind actually look like? And again, I think we get a lot from the Apostle Paul. It seems like the Apostle Paul really had a, a desire to communicate this truth to us because you know what? He's a perfect example of someone who thought he actually had his stuff together, right? He thought he had his house in order. He thought when he came to God, he was the man. You know, look how pretty it is, look how nice. And actually, he started to realize more and more, and the closer he got to the Lord, the more he realized what a fixer-upper he was actually living in. You know, his life was actually quite a mess. I mean, to watch Paul's progression from, you know, I'm, well, I guess, you know, the early ministry, you know, you hear him talk about himself, and he's like, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm you know, one of the, the least of the disciples, you know? <laughs> and then he'll move <laughs> in progression as he gets closer to the Lord and, and thinks less of himself and more of the Lord. He starts to think, uh, I guess I'm less than the least of all the saints. Till finally, at the end of his ministry, he gets to this point where he goes, you know what, guys, if God can work in my life, he can work in your life, because I am the chief of sinners. He went from, yeah, I'm probably one of the you know, least of the disciples, just knowing that he had persecuted the disciples. So yeah, I'm probably one of the least of them, to the point where when he was honest with himself, and he came face to face with the truth of his situation, he goes, wow, I'm a major fixer-upper. I am the chief of sinners. And if God can change my life, he can change your life. And that's what Paul, I believe, wants to present to you and I through the ministry of all of these letters that he's writing. As he was writing to the early church, he's still writing to you and me today, telling us and declaring to us, you know, if God can work in my life, he can work in your life. And so what does this mind look like? What does this sound mind look like? Well, one of the things, and it goes on to say here in in chapter 12, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So this idea of not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. In other words, when we come, we're just honest. We're just standing before the Lord like Isaiah. God, woe is me. (laughs) If I'm honest, woe is me. I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips who dwells among people of God, I don't bring anything to this. And and as long as I keep wanting to do that and thinking somehow I am bringing something to God, I'm going to continually be a frustrated person. But when I can come with, and this is what Philippians 2 tells us, a lowliness of mind and humility, a lowliness of mind. It then goes on to talk about the fact that there's not only a lowliness of mind, a sound mind is going to be a, a single mind. Galatians 5, Paul says, you know, I don't want you to be of any other mind. James wants to tell us, you know what? A double-minded man, you're going to be pretty unstable in all your ways. Because, you know, think about a double-minded man. You know, Amos, when he says, you know, can two walk together unless they're agreed? No, you can't. Two people cannot walk together if they're not agreed. Right? I mean, I want to go this way. Well, I want to go this way. Okay, well, I guess we're not walking together anymore. That's kind of like a double-minded person. Because if you've got two minds, the idea is half of your brain is saying, I'm going to keep doing this. The other half is saying, no, I'm going to do this. And that's what kind of Paul's Romans 7 experience is. I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I do want to do. Ah, wretched man that I am, who's going to save me from this body of sin, right? And so that double mindedness, uh, a sound mind is going to be a single mind. As, As the psalmist would declare, one thing one thing I desired of the Lord. That's what I'm going to seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord, all the days of my life, to behold His beauty, the beauty of the Lord. And that's what you know a single mind looks like. It's someone who who has that one mind, and and you see it throughout the New Testament. That idea of one mind, one mind, one mind. That's a sound mind. But as long as there's a duplicity, there's going to be confusion. If there's animosity, if there's enmity, if there's anger, if there's bitterness, if there's resentment, if there's disappointment, if there's unrealized expectations, and yet, you know, we're going to hold on to those things, and and yet we're still trying to serve God, there's going to be this constant difficulty, frustration in our lives. That's not going to be a sound mind. That's not going to be a peaceful mind. A sound mind is also going to be a committed mind. As the Lord himself says in Matthew 22, you know, To love the Lord your God with what? With all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. To love the Lord with all your mind. Give him your whole mind. And when I say that, I'm talking to myself. (laughs) Jeff, give him your whole mind. Have have all of me, Lord. Have all of me. You need all of me so that I can have all of you. And interesting, I think this is a key, a sound mind. As Paul describes it in Philippians 3.15, Is going to be a mature mind. And what is a mature mind? Forgetting those things which are behind. Pressing forward for the things which are ahead. For the glory that's, you know, ahead of me. That's going to be a mature mind. But as long as if there's anything we're holding on to, if there's anything we're looking back at and continuing to let that ensnare us and hold us back and keep us bound, whatever it might be, we're not going to keep growing. We're going to be hindered. We're going to be stymied in our in our growth as, as a believer. And so our mind, we're not going to have that mature mind that God wants for each one of us. So it's so important. This is so vital for every single one of us. Forgetting those things. Are, are we hurt? Are we Have we been hurt? Yeah, I'm sure. Every one of us has. There's difficulties, definitely. And yet we're able to, to, to say, God, I need you to wash me. I need you to cleanse me. I need you to forgive me. I need you to give me the heart to forgive them, whatever it might be, to move on. Forget those things which aren't. But press forward for those things which are ahead, for the upward call of God in Christ. That's our desire. And That's a mature mind, and that kind of leads us to a, a single mind, a sound mind is going to be a heavenly mind. Heavenly minded, as Paul says in Colossians, don't just focus on the things here on the earth. Because guess what'll happen if you just focus on things of the earth? One, you're going to get let down. You're going to get disappointed constantly because it's never going to really satisfy you. But secondly, you're going to be frustrated. Because this world is challenging, it's difficult. So that's why he would say, don't just focus on the things on this world. Focus on things above. Where Christ is seated, right? At the right hand of the Father. In other words, job done. He's won. Victory is ours. Like, we can walk in victory. Because I know there's going to be things that each one of you and each one of us are dealing with. Even this morning as you've come here. And it so easily grabs our attention again and again and again. And we go back to it. We go back to it. And you know what can happen? And this is something talking to my wife, Naomi. You know, she was sharing with me, and I think this is really important. It can happen to all of us. We, we, we walk this path over and over and over again, and we create this path that, that really was never intended for us. But we've now created it because we go over it in our mind over and over and over again, and we wear the path down. And, you know, as you've, you, know, some of you, you know, you go on walks, right, into the fields near your homes or, or what have you. And, and, and there's certain paths, aren't there? So you just assume, well, that's the way we go because that's the path. And, and we can do that in our own minds where we, we keep walking down this path back to that thing that we, we weren't ever intended to walk down. But yet here now we've created this path and we're walking it so much that what can happen with that is we've actually created a bit of a rut. And now we're, we're kind of stuck on this path going back and do it again and again and again in these things that can easily hold us bound. And Jesus comes in, he says, listen, you know what? The paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. That path you're walking on is actually a lie. It's actually keeping you bound by whatever it is that's that's overwhelming you, that's frustrating you, that's causing you fear, anxiety, whatever it is. And and my paths are mercy. I come with mercy to, to... restore you, to release you, to free you from whatever it is that's that's keeping you. And then I want to wash over that with truth and destroy the lies. And now I want to, if you would maybe plant the turf of truth over that, you know, that worn out path. And I want to, I don't want you to walk there anymore. This is my path for you. I want you to walk this way now. Come with me on this path of life because it tells us he's provided everything we need for life and godliness. We have it all. So stop keeping on that same path that's leading you nowhere, and if anything, it's leaving you bound. And then ultimately, we see a sound mind is going to be Christ's mind. Let the mind of Christ be in you. And we have the mind of Christ. That's what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 2.16. We have that mind. So, so if you look back at 1 Timothy one seven, where he said, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, of a sound mind. We see the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit, that dunamis power. We see the love of the Father that he's poured out in our hearts. And we see the mind of Christ that he's given us. He's given us the power of the Spirit, the love of God, and the mind of Christ. We have everything we need in this world to walk in victory. And that's the heart and desire that God has for each one of us this morning. And so, as we've seen, this is the heart, <coughs> this is God's desire for for our minds is to walk in that victory. You know Are there gonna be times as believers where we struggle with this? Of course. But he doesn't want us to be anxious for anything. But in all things, how do we how do we have the victory when we find ourselves falling, when we find ourselves failing, when we find ourselves coming up short, forgetting some of these truths, which can easily happen when the you know the pressures Press in. We don't have to be anxious, but in all things, with prayer, with supplication, with thanksgiving, we can let these requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, can do what? Guard our hearts and our He can guard our minds. It tells us that He literally will stand as a sentinel, <laughs> the guard around our minds protect us. And now we have a responsibility at the same time that we're willing, because here's the part of our reasonable service, this is the sacrifice that we're willing to offer, is to take every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Like, we have a part to play in our minds, don't we? Like, we choose what we're going to put in there, and what we're going to dwell on, what we're going to keep thinking about. And if we keep choosing to walk on these worn paths that we shouldn't be on, then we're going to find ourselves in the same place time and time and time again. Or we say, wait a minute, wait, that's actually a lie. That's actually not true. This is what truth says. I'm going to take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And now I'm going to walk in this direction. And so we can not be anxious. We can have the Lord there with us. And ultimately, as we we finish, we recall to mind when there's challenges, when there's difficulties, we have to recall a few things to mind. One, Isaiah 46 tells us, you know what? There's no other God but you. I have, to, I have to have a conscious mind of that truth. There's no other God. You're the one who can help me. You're the one who can do this for me. And not only that, Lamentations, I love where Lamentations says, remember this. Recall this to your mind, that his mercies are new every single day. And if it wasn't so, which one of us would be here right now, right? Which one of us could stand if it wasn't the truth? Great is his faithfulness. He is faithful to keep us from falling. He is the one we can look to, we can find our strength in. And finally, we have to have a mind that stays focused on the Lord. It's just a must. If we really want to have a sound mind... It has to stay focused on the Lord, as Isaiah, the prophet, once again writes. He will keep you in perfect peace when your mind is stayed on Him, when your mind is fixed and focused on Him, because in Yahweh, is your strength. He's your, he's your trust. And so this morning, my prayer, as, as I've come to just, I pray encourage, courage, and, and I hopefully that... that You've been reminded of things you already know. But it's always helpful. Paul, I, know, I know Peter said that, didn't he? It's like, hey, just as long as you're in this tent, let's keep stirring each other up because we all need these reminders. But that idea of repentance being a change of our mind. And maybe this morning there's been something that the Lord is, is just ministering to your heart. Wow. Okay, I'm seeing that in a new light. Like, hmm, yeah, I need to change my mind about that. Maybe I need a, a bit of repentance in that area. I, I, and I need to, to see that renewal take place in my life. I want that transformation. God, I've been here in the mud. I've been here in the mire. I've been walking on this path that I don't need to be on. I want that transformation of my own heart. I want that transformation of my own mind. I want you to renew my mind. So I'm just going to pray and, and, and close. But, but as I do, I, just, I will be praying for us. And if there is anybody, I mean, obviously there's something God's doing in your heart and in your life this morning, just you know, to speak to Pastor Barry or happy to, to speak to myself, just to pray for you, pray with you, for anything that the Lord wants to, to do to bring that restoration, to bring that healing, to bring that transformation, whatever that might look like, whatever that might mean. So, Father, this morning, I thank you so much for this truth that you've brought to our hearts once again, that you are in the business of restoration and restoring And Lord, I know as I come before you this morning, I'm a fixer-upper. Lord, uh, uh, apart from you, I'm a mess. I don't have what it takes. When I read that list of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, I just see my insufficiency. But then I come to you and see the truth and realize this morning, Father, that your grace is my sufficiency and that your grace is the hope that each one of us has this morning, that we come boldly to that throne of grace to obtain that mercy, to find that grace, to help us in our daily need.